welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast, hosted by 4constructionpros.com and covering various aspects of the construction industry, including the equipment, people, companies, and associations making it all happen. My name is Becky Schultz, editor of Equipment Today. And in this episode, Barton Mallow Company's Matt Hedke, Director of Virtual Design and Construction, and Ryan Toe, Operations Manager, discuss the benefits the company has gained by implementing tool tracking technology to not only manage hand tool inventory and logistics on projects, but also capture data on tool performance and use. Let's dig in with Matt and Ryan now. Matt, thank you so much for joining me today. And just to kick us off, uh, I'd like to learn a little bit more about Barton Mallow and the types of projects that it does, maybe a little bit about the scope of the company. And tell us about what you do in your role. So Barton Mallow has been in business for almost 100 years. We're coming up on our 100th year anniversary here pretty quick. So we basically operate east of the Mississippi. So we have about, I think it's 12, 12 or 13 offices, don't quote me, across the United States. And we really perform in every market that's out there. So everything from our commercial institutional side, so your higher ed, your entertainment, your hospitals and healthcare And then on the you know more industrial side, it's certainly that industrial process, energy, manufacturing, and then a lot of the solar markets, wind markets, that renewable space. In addition to that, we also self-perform eight trades. So we're signatory with eight different unions where we self-perform civil, civil operations, concrete, rigging, interiors, structural steel, refractory, boilermaker. I think that was eight. I might have lost count. I might have missed one in there, but there's eight of them, I assure you. Well, it sounds like the scope of the company is actually even more substantial than I realized. About how many employees does the company have? Do you know? So we're just north of 2,000. That okay. includes, includes our craft and our, and our office salary staff. Right. So what about your role within the company? What does that entail? Yeah, so I lead our virtual design and construction group on the company side. So that's, again, our book of business related to that energy, heavy industrial manufacturing type space. And really my role is to find technology and figure out how do we inject technology in our process to, to really drive you know, efficiency, drive safety, drive quality, and, and drive productivity. Ryan, thank you for joining me as well. I understand you've been with Barton Mallow for nearly 15 years, and your current role is manager of operations at the company's yard in Oak Park, Michigan, which supports all of the self-performing trades. Since we're focusing on the concrete side of things here, can you start off by telling us a bit about what a typical concrete project might look like for Barton Mallow? Typical concrete, we do a lot of poured walls, foundations. We do a good amount of flat work, poured decks. It it varies from, a lot of it depends on the customer. We'll get on a kick where we're doing a lot of foundations for year after year, big foundations, and then we're not doing them for a couple of years. A lot of that dictates to our customer and what their needs are. We have a pretty strong relationship with our customers and we tend to go wherever they want us to go, Texas, Mexico, you name it all over. So it kind of dictates what jobs we were going after at that time. Some years we're doing a ton of flat work and other years we're not. So a lot of it is mainly flat work and then foundations. We don't do roadways or anything in that regards. A lot of it's just building foundations. 
and the flat work that goes into it for the surrounding parking lots, decks, elevated poured decks. And we also do the rebar and reseal that goes into the concrete. And Matt's an expert at that. That's where <laughs> I met Matt was he was the rebar chef when, when I met him. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> Great. So do you have anything to add to that, Matt? No, I think Ryan summed it up perfectly. And I think that's one of the, from my perspective, that's certainly one of the things that we pride ourselves in is that, that diverse market. And we don't, we try to we try to have a pretty equal portfolio. Again, operating in all those different market kind of gives us that flexibility to Ryan's point, depending on what the need is. Sometimes that energy market's really booming, but we don't want to have too much work in, in one specific area. We want to be diverse. And especially as it relates to concrete, Ryan summed up every, everything that we do well. It's foundations, it's board walls, it's flat work. Right. It sounds like not only doing the variety of types of work that the company does, but also the the diverse locations that it works in. There have to be some real challenges when it comes to logistics related to equipment. Can you talk a little bit about the, the types of equipment that are perhaps the biggest headaches for you in terms of keeping track of that, where that equipment is going and, and how it's being used. Can Maybe starting with Ryan, what from your perspective, and then Matt, maybe you can jump in after that. Yeah, we so we have our own logistics department within our yard operations. So we move not all of our equipment, but probably like 95% of our equipment is moved out of our yard operations. So we have low boys, we have special trailers designed for anywhere from a small concrete buggy all the way up to big cranes and stuff that we move. We also all of our form work for our concrete division. All that, if we don't run it, if it's not a job far away, it comes out of our yard operations and we truck that logistically. So all the accessories, all the panels, all that stuff are tracked and managed and rented out of our yard operations. Some of the things that are the most challenging that we have, I would say probably... It's a lot of the smaller items that we have that there tends to be, there's a, a, a huge inventory of it. Formwork is one of them. We kind of got our handles handle on that in the last couple of years, just because we have multiple different formwork systems and there's a lot of accessories that go along with it. So being able to track those and manage those from project to project, and then also at the same time, keep the, keep our inventory up to our standard and then be able to redeploy it to the next job. So there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes, but mainly it's the equipment stuff isn't too much of an issue. We get in, we get some of these big jobs where the tooling is actually the biggest issue. If it's hand tools from power, like cordless impacts to saws, stuff like that, we have more of an issue as a company tracking those specific items than we do our equipment. For the most part, we got a pretty good handle on all of our equipment. It's all we use SAP for our equipment, and then we use Toolwatch to track all of our tools. It's just okay. The small tools we use a lot more of them. We'll walk away from a year, two-year job, and there's huge dent. There's a lot of missing stuff on certain projects, especially the further out we get, where they're not our. How should I say it? Regular staff that we have. It's like we'll use the union hall out of if we're down in you know, Kentucky or Arkansas, we're using labor from that region. And we have tendencies to where they don't understand our processes. There's theft, there's, you know, they're not, there's tools that are lost, other contractors. There's a bunch of different scenarios in that regards. So th- we have more issues in that end of it than we do in our equipment. Okay. Matt, is that also what you've seen as well? 
Yeah, I think Ryan summed it up perfectly. Hey, I think a lot of what we've learned over time is just really, and Ryan touched on it, is that process, right? And how do we develop that process that works for us? And then follow that process and find a good way that, and a lot of it is, is that as we get further and further to Ryan's point away from that kind of centralized hub, a lot of those things get more complex, right? And they get harder to, to manage. And it's not our, our typical, even our simplest trade partners that we work with in the same spot, right? So there's all these moving parts that, that over time we have evaluated and refined process and again, continue to try to figure out how do we leverage technology to help drive that process and educate not only our, our own people on and on our projects that work for us, but our trade partners as well. Right, right. Now, one thing that I have been told is that you're also using a tool called the TIC, Tool and Equipment Trackers from Milwaukee Tool. Can you tell me about that and what types of equipment that would be used on? I'll start with this one, Matt. We, so we use a lot of it on like our small tools, power tools. So SDS plus hammer drills, quarter inch impacts, half inch drill drivers. There's an assortment of uh, smaller cordless power tools that we have those on. So we use, Milwaukee isn't the only one. We use Tool Connect also. Right. So we use both platforms. The Milwaukee, the tick and all that, we haven't really used a ton of it. We have We're just starting to get that process going. I've been pretty heavily involved in the, the DeWalt portion of it for the last two years, about two years, year and a half. So we've used it on a few projects, smaller jobs. We haven't really kicked it off on a a full single source because it is, it does take, it takes a yard operations, a a staff behind the scenes, and then it takes the project team to actually use it and be able to facilitate it and use what the capabilities are. And not every job is is set up or structured to where it, it marries up perfectly just depending on sure. sometimes it's there's too much there's too many moving pieces it's too large of a job they don't have the staff on the job site or sometimes it's of like currently we're experiencing the availability of the tools because there's been a pretty big shortage on a lot of power tools in the last few months and it looks like it's going to reach it that's going to probably pull us too before we see that shortage actually come back to where the baseline is. Lithium batteries are a big one right now. A lot of overseas manufacturing is starting to dry up due to COVID last year when these plants shut down. That inventory is finally running out. And we're seeing it in building trades too with like lumber and steel. Like I think steel prices are up like 20% or something. something. They went up like drastically. Same with lumber and whatnot. So it's going to be a challenging year in that regards, just to get resources. So Right, right. Matt, can you address that as well? Maybe talking partially from the perspective of using the Milwaukee tool platform, but also maybe addressing a little bit what um, Ryan was talking about in relationship to the logistics challenges, because that's kind of interesting to, to get your perspective on that, because we have been hearing about those challenges going forward. Yeah, certainly. I guess I'll touch on the, the Milwaukee piece first. I certainly feel like from my perspective, as Milwaukee and others start to look for Um, at opportunities to get data out of their tools. That just opens up a really big door for us to learn. From my perspective, hey, being quote unquote dubbed as the techie guy, hey, I think it's fun to try to figure out, hey, how do we make that connection between the user and that data and learn from that data, right? How can we start to look at the data, you know, holistically and 
again, use it as a, a way to learn and, and get insights, tool utilization on, hey, is after so many hours, is the tool breaking? And again, I could go on and on, but you get my point, right? That sure. there's, there's a lot of opportunity there that I think we can learn. And the only way that we're going to learn is that if we get plugged into it and we start to identify and partner with the tool manufacturers and to Ryan's point, partner with our project teams to again, set up a, a roadmap to say, hey, here's our basis for a pilot. And here's some low-hanging fruit that we think we can get. And if we can achieve that first step in just capturing this data, here's some benefits that we see. And I think organically, you're just going to learn that there's other benefits that maybe we're not seeing. Sure. I think the other piece too is, hey, addressing this concept around technology fragmentation is another interesting topic, right? Where, hey, we have, there's a lot of different project management solutions out there. We're a big Autodesk user. We use BIM 360, which is soon going to be billed. Hey, how do we get that data and that tool tracking technology and integrate it into our project management solution, right? Sure. Is there opportunity there? So that's another opportunity. We've been having a lot of discussions with uh, the folks at Milwaukee about. And then another piece of this, and I might be kind of putting the cart before the horse, uh, if you will, but as we start to get more technology, so when you start to think like phones and iPads and all these smart tools out into the field, hey, there's certainly a connectivity and a job site connectivity concern that we have, right? And I think that's an industry-wide problem that we need. Again, it just brings up a lot of really, really cool opportunities that, that, that we're excited about. We want to be a part in coming up with a solution for and certainly looking for partnerships with Milwaukee and others to try to solve them. And then again, keeping a similar theme, touching on a few things Ryan discussed is the initiative that we have going on internally is just Hey, there's a lot of what we would call building commodities, right? So you start to think of aggregate, lumber, reinforcing steel, structural steel, drywall, copper. There's all these commodities. And how do we start to get a list of that going and then partner with some of our suppliers to understand, hey, is there a supply issue? Right. Ryan touched on the lithium batteries. Like, hey, is that an issue? Okay, if it is, how long do we think it's an issue? so that we can then use that information to help inform us to make smart decisions. Well, certainly from a, a tool perspective, but then as we're estimating and pricing projects, so how do we protect ourselves and protect our clients? Right, right, absolutely. Because we are trying to focus some on, on the tool tracking aspect of things, can you talk about what some of the, the benefits you have seen from using this type of technology and, and how it's enabled you to keep better track of what's happening on your projects? And maybe Ryan, can you start us off with talking about that? Yeah, it, there's a, several different factors that it offers up a lot. It's from the point of tracking the asset, like the tool, being able to know where it's at, which part of the facility it's at, instead of a lot of times in your as long as I can remember, if they can't find a tool, they just order another one and get another one. And if you have the capability to be able to say, all right, I know I ordered a tool that was here this morning, and then being able to pull up some software and being able to look on a map and be able to say, oh, it's on the, it's over in the Southeast corner. Let's go get it. And instead of having to get another one. So you're saving the resources, right. your capital on that. Then also being able to get the analytics off of the tool. If it's grinder pulls, if the brake e-clutch is engaging, if it's the same with the hammer drill, being able to pull those analytics off for safety and being able to train your staff too. If some people necessarily going to be trained 
correctly and how to use power tools from a safety standpoint. You can use that information and then also look at it to like the type of work, like how long tools have a, a useful life. And you can figure out how much tools you're going to need too by how many hole, dowel holes you're going to be drilling or whatever it might be. But a lot of it is just to be able to get that information off of that tool and, and use it in a productive manner and be able to grow our operations and use it for safety and, and being able to grow a little bit larger. Right. Matt, would you like to comment on that as well? No, I think Ryan did a great job. You know, a few things that, that he touched on, certainly from a safety training, I think is a huge piece. That geofencing, right, is creating that geofence around your property or around a certain area. I think there's huge potential that you know, not only from a, hey, where's the tool at, like Ryan said, but certainly from a theft perspective, right? Creating that geofest perimeter and that tool shuts off if it leaves or you get notifications that it's left. Those are all things that I think us as an industry see huge benefits in. And then certainly the utilization piece that we touched on earlier, there's just, I think there's endless amount of data that can probably be overwhelming if we're not careful, but I think if we're smart, we can start to use it in a smart way and, and learn from it and better ourselves for years to come. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting to hear you talking about some of these things from the perspective of things like hand tools, because we hear a lot about it from the aspect of larger machines, but the hand tools are just as much of a cost factor when you start adding up how many go missing and the replacement costs that, that are involved. So it's really interesting to hear, hear from that perspective, for sure. So looking Longer term, do you see yourself as a company being able to take even greater advantage of this type of technology and the data that it captures in future? What do you envision for this type of tool tracking technology going forward? And maybe Ryan can start us off. Yeah, I see it, to be honest with you, I think it's going to be the the future in the tool industry, cordless power tools. As everybody knows, the price of everything is just keeps climbing and climbing and climbing. And it wasn't a, a $60 drill. Now it's a couple, several hundred dollar drill. And then you have $150 battery, multiple, two, three of them. So you have a good amount of capital tied up into a drill or just say it's a power drill, a cordless power drill. I mean, you have a lot of capital wrapped up into it. And I know companies are want to keep track of that and keep an eye on their assets. But I see the, the geofence, the Bluetooth, I, I see that is like the future of power tools, especially, I mean, once it takes off, I think if they start getting it to where it's available in more of their lines of tools, I can see it being more of a benefit because it's not just, you're not adding on like a tick or anything. It's all embedded and it comes from the manufacturer where it's integrated into the tool. I see it as that that's where it's going to end up going. The big thing is you, you don't have to use it, but you have that option and capability to use it. It's there. So I see right. a lot of contractors, especially larger ones moving into that space. It's still in my mind and where I'm involved in it, it's still fairly new. It's something that hasn't really taken off or really impacted the market, but there's large contractors out there that are using it. I know we're, there's not a lot of them in Detroit, my opinion. I mean, there's only a couple of them that I don't even have the tools, but that, that actually implement it from a, you know, complete inventory. There's, I don't think there's many at all in Detroit. So. Okay. And, and Matt, how about you? Do, would you like to comment on that as well? 
Yeah. Hey, I think what Ryan said is is spot on. I I think for us, when you start to think about, again, if I could take a step back and think of starting with the end in mind and kind of taking a step back for a second. Hey, I think one of the things that we pride ourselves in at Barton Mellow is, hey, setting ourselves up and when we go and pursue a job all the way through as we're planning the execution of a job is to breaking it down into smaller bite-sized chunks, right? So now start to try to tie that to equipment and tools. And if we can break those down into smaller chunks and we have this ability to track the tools, no matter where they are, can we start to create these, these toolkits that we know follow with this certain crew during this, during doing this specific task, for example. And Hey, it could be maybe some smaller hand tools. It could be a bit larger pieces of equipment, but we can start to create these packages and essentially whether they're in use on the job site or they're sitting on a, in a, in a connect somewhere on the job site, kind of in a, in a yard, it's certainly no different than keeping it in our current yard operation now and shipping it out to a job. It's a similar type thing, but I think that technology is going to allow us to really kind of open up the door for how we track and manage our tools, the data that we get from them. How do we integrate it with other solutions that, that I you know mentioned previously? It's really exciting for me. I think, of course, again, I'm the techie guy, right? So I, I love this kind of stuff anyway, but I think there's a lot of opportunity that we can, you know, not only learn from, but all these ancillary things that we're not even thinking of. Absolutely. Well, I think that this has been a great conversation and I really appreciate you guys taking time to to join me today. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Ryan, for being a part of this. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Well, that's it for this edition of Digging Deeper. Thank you to Matt Hedke and Ryan Toe at Barton Mallow for taking the time to talk with us. Tune in every week for another episode of the Digging Deeper podcast by 4constructionco.com. You keep listening, we'll keep digging. Until next time.